Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. Um, plenty to talk about this week. And obviously one man's name is on everyone's lips. Ronald Koeman. Is he the next manager ever? We're yet to see. But he's certainly the forerunner. He has been for a while, but his chances of taking over from Roberto Martinez have certainly hotted up in the last 24 hours. Um, I'm joined by Tony Scott and Gav Buckland, as usual. No Phil Kirkbride this week. But, as I say, plenty to talk about and to uh, mull over as we look forward to maybe an appointment in the next couple of days. Some reports from Holland have said that Everton are keen to get it done over the weekend. Um, that remains to be seen whether that comes to fruition. We're sort of understanding that there's a bit more caution from the uh, the blue side, uh, which is natural, I suppose. They don't want to kind of hold, hold themselves to any timeline. Uh, but if you had to push me as a betting man, I would probably say it's more likely to be the early part of next week. However, it could well happen quickly once an agreement's in place. So Kerman's the man, seems to be the man. And so, is it the one that we've always wanted? Yes, it's been my number one priority for quite a long way. I remember when Roberto got the shot, the very first manager that came to, to my head straight away was Ronald Koeman. He ticks every single box in regards to what Everton went after. To me, what Everton have had in the past is a David Moyes, more a defensive side manager, and Ronald Koeman. Sorry, Roberto Martinez, more attacker minded. Ronald Koeman is the in-between. Great going forward and he can defend. This is a Southampton team that finished three points off a Champions League spot last season. 18 wins out of 38. He was manager of the month. And I was just been looking at some of the results he got from, from last season. They beat Chelsea 3-1 at Stamford Bridge. They battered Arsenal 4-0. They beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. They come from two goals down to beat Liverpool 3-2. They battered Manchester City 4-2. They beat title challenges. Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane. His record last season was absolutely brilliant and he's, he's, he looks as though he was Everton's number one priority and Fahad Moshiri's number one priority. And let's hope we can get this over the line because I couldn't be more excited about a managerial appointment. That run of results you've just read out there does whet the appetite, Gav. I mean, quite a few of them are things that Everton haven't managed in a long time. But you know, the big one for me that jumps out was, was going to White Hart Lane and beating Tottenham. Yeah, they played well last season, didn't he? Uh, I think they had beat one then as well, weren't they? Um, I saw them beat Southampton 4 0. I think they had a bad run, didn't he? Just around Christmas and New Year. That sort of stopped them probably getting into the Champions League. But I, I agree with Tony um, that Kerman, we, we, we've spoken all year, haven't we, about striking the right balance between the Martinez and Moyes type of, uh, type of play. And to me, uh, what's in Southampton? Not just last year, but the year before as well. I think yeah. he finished, was eighth year before. Um, Kerman does appear to have, uh, you know, got that balance. Um, you then need to play, get the players to to produce that as well. Um, and I think I agree that probably is my choice. I think the, the advantage he's got over rivals, especially from abroad, obviously, is that he's got proven Premier League experience over the last couple of years, uh, which I think is a huge advantage mm. and, and has done well in that environment. Uh, and I, I think uh, he's the he, he's certainly the the top choice for me. Um, and uh, let's see what happens. As far as we understand, Everton are trying to certainly push him for him as the number one managerial candidate. But they're trying, which for me again is even more exciting, to team him up with Monchi from Sevilla. Um, they're pushing really hard on on a deal for that. Um, would that be a dream team? So is that just pandering to uh, to current trends to say Monchi is, is the, the the oracle? Or, you know, are people right to be excited by the potential? I think the Evertonians are right to be excited through this. You're looking at Monty's transfer record, that's severe. That's second to none, isn't it? You go through back to your Danny Alves, even your current crop of Kevin Gramero, who basically destroyed Liverpool in, in the final. I think when you're looking at disappointment in Ronald Koeman, you know it'll be, a, it'll be a good one. When you're looking at from the red side of the city, they don't want Everton to get Ronald Koeman. That, that, that to me, that, that sends volumes here to me. They don't want Everton to get Ronald Koeman. He's a good manager. And we were looking before this podcast started, we said to ourselves, what did Pochettino do before Koeman got mm-hmm. there? Well, you just said Pochettino so got eight. Well, Koeman's got, he's outdone Pochettino. Look what Pochettino's got on to. Me personally, I could be more excited if we can get this over the line. Really can't. Yeah, I think Monsi's a slightly different, different kettle of fish, isn't it? Because I know there's like a lot of 
talk about staying at Seville and um, it's interesting to see director football's got release clauses now, haven't they? And stuff like that. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just like a strange thing. Um who chooses the director of football? Is it the club or the manager or, or both? It's got to be the club, the manager. I mean, I think that's that's the point. And I think we, yeah. we dipped into it last week. It's that this structure has got to be based around the club first and foremost. You can't have a manager coming in and bringing with them every yeah. time the manager is appointed. And going forward, it might be that managers are appointed more regularly. There's a shorter shelf life. So for me, the director of football stays in place hopefully for a longer term period than, than coaches these days. Like what Southampton do now? Where exactly like what Southampton do now. It's interesting. I was, just going, to, I was going to mention it later, but you bring it up. There's a piece I was reading this morning by uh, a guy on the UMAXIT website, Sam Tai, and um, a journalist based down on the South Coast, and he's talking about why Southampton fans shouldn't panic. A good manager, but not irreplaceable Southampton, is what he says about Koeman. And he gives him his due. He does give him all his due credit. But what he focuses on is he a lot of his signings are down more to the infrastructure that they've got at St Mary's. It's the scouts, it's the scouting system. Uh, and yeah, he'll have, a, he'll have been part of that, but he's saying, we've replaced managers in the past, Pochettino, Adkins in a way, yeah. so on and so forth. Don't get too down. And he does say a couple of things that I'm just going to throw out to you. Mm. He mentions that muddy spell that they had, which maybe yeah. cost them Champions League. Um bit unfair perhaps to say that Southampton should definitely have been with the shelf of Champions League anyway so all, all teams are going to have a muddy spell but he mentions that he also says he didn't get the best out of Wanyama he failed to convince him mm-hmm. to play apart from the odd big game and he talks about Dusan Tadic he says he had long spells out the team and it was down to the, he, say, he says a sense that he was mismanaged by, by the main man uh, and likewise Shane Long's technical improvement he says is down to the coaching staff Fair or not? I, I don't really know what did you know what goes on on the Southampton training ground, yeah. so I can't really can't really comment on that. You can only really look at what the position at the end of the uh, end of the season can in the way the players that did, did play performed, as you said. So there, there's a lot of good results against big teams, which is something that's perhaps been missing off at the you know the CVs of our, of our two previous managers. So um, it'd be interesting to see. But going back to it's going back to the director of. Football, that, that to me is probably in many respects is a more fascinating thing for us because it's not, you know, we said before, Never had it. before. and I do think <clears throat> is it right that, that should, should the, the, the manager at least have somebody that he wants to work with as a director of football, which is my original point, or do you think it should just be foisted on and by, by the club? But this is the, the Greg, do you think Farhad Mashiri, when he's speaking to Ronald Koeman, do you think he's basically saying? Monchi's in place, you've got to take it or leave it, or do you think, what's your idea on this, Ronald? What, what do you think the situation is there with that? I don't, I don't think he's in a position to say, Monchi's in place. I think he's in a position to say, we're going to hunt for and find a world-class uh, director of football. We're speaking to Monchi, we're hopeful on Monchi. Mm-hmm. Would you like to work with someone of his ilk? There's a good chance you might be working with him. And any manager worth his salt at the moment yeah. will be excited at that prospect. Mm. You only have to look at what they've done with Emery and, and Sevilla, yeah. taking like an unfancied club. Many ways, maybe a similar budget to Southampton, maybe a bit less, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what, third times that they've won the Europa League in consecutive yeah. seasons? Yeah. Ridiculous, really. Um, and they've finished up and down in, in La Liga, but generally speaking, they've done well, haven't they? They've been very competitive. So anyone would want to work with Monchi. But if Everton don't get Monchi, I don't think they're looking at, you know, uh, the small fry in terms of football, the directors of football, they're looking at the very best. That's what struck me the more this story's developed. I don't think, I think the sky's the limit at Everton at the moment. Mm. I really think Farhad Mishiri has brought in a complete approach which we've never been able to have before, which is that don't worry about the price, we'll get the best as much as we can mm. attract at this stage. Mm. For example, we were all talking about a few, well, about a month ago about Mourinho, yeah. weren't we? Yeah. In hindsight, that's above Everton, beyond Everton. For now, mm. I say for now, and I'm not not you know getting all overexcited, yeah. Yeah, but right. that was never going to happen. You can have all the money in the world, you're not really going to be able to lure him away from the the, the clutches of United. Mm. But within sort of the terms of what's realistic, Everton going to be pushing the envelope right up to the max. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, we have in many respects, it's a, it's a similar position to the early sixties when John Moores came in. Yeah, and uh, Moores said um, Moores is really well because he come from Littlewoods. And he'd have big business background, backgrounds. And let's support what you've, you've said, Greg, really. He says, as long as the club's got the, the right structure, the right coaches, the right manager, all you need then to have is the, the right players and you'll 
success is guaranteed. And there's, there's what you're saying there is that appears what Mashiri wants, isn't it? Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. he's like he would to do everything to get that structure right. So like then you you sort of three quarters of the way there, and then it's just the question of getting the players to fit into yeah. that. And I think that's old, and that's what Moses Banter was in the early sixties, and I'm saying, and that's still the case today. Um, and it's it's interesting times. It's, it's something that we've not really been, as you say, what we've been used to certainly in the last yeah. thirty years. I just look at what our mate saying there from the south coast. He's saying there was one or two players that he didn't get the best out of. I think, I think he's splitting hairs there. I think there's a bit of bitterness in between that. Because I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking if Ronald Koeman becomes Everton manager. John Stones and Ross Barkley's coaching methods, they're going to improve tenfold for me. They'll become much, much better players. So I think I think there's a bit of bitterness in between that because there's a possibility of Ronald Koeman leaving Southampton. It's interesting that Sam goes on to write that, you know, he trusts in Southampton's infrastructure to identify a brilliant candidate as, as head coach to come in if Koeman goes. And then he goes on to list potential people. And this is just him, you know, thinking... But this is quite illuminating. Frank de Boer, mm. Vyash Boas, Stefano Pioli and Kike Sanchez-Flores. Now, maybe that indicates where Everton and Southampton are as clubs because we've spoken about Frank de Boer. And, yeah, you know, there's, there's reasons yeah. why he might be a good Everton candidate. But I think, on the whole, we've, we've got our doubts, fair to say. There's pluses and minuses yeah, about I mean. him. Vyash Boas, I would have huge doubts about. He's been in the Premier League twice and, and he's flopped. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but yeah. I don't know if he's a Premier League Standard top four coach Stefano Pioli, massive shrug of the shoulders, and Sanchez Flores, who's obviously a really bright coach, who's got things about him. Um, Weirdly premature ending to his time at Watford, but again, if he was the one coming in, you'd be thinking, well, it's not very exciting. You've gone from Ronald Koeman to them, and they're at the opposite end of the scale from whatever they're trying to attract. So I I, I think that bodes well. When you look at Koeman's CV, as a player, obviously he's won a lot. Even as a manager, I was looking through it the other night and you're thinking to yourself, he's won trophies. And everybody says, oh, you can win the league in Ireland. But he didn't just win trophies in Ireland. He won them in Portugal. He won them in Spain. He won the Copa del Bay with Valencia. So this is a fella who's won trophies all round Europe. He got Southampton, as we've, we've touched on, Southampton. He finished seven points behind title challenges, Tottenham, last yeah. season. Yeah. So it speaks volumes for me, speaks volumes. Just one observation there about the Southampton. I'm surprised that he has not been mentioned in that group. I should say, funny enough, the Telegraph yeah. Telegraph report earlier, Jeremy yeah. Lewis, very well-respected uh, journalist down on the South Coast, knows the ins and outs of Southampton and Bournemouth, and he's talking about Eddie Howe being a potential candidate for that job. So, I know what time of speaking, so what do you think the process is now? Jeremy Wilson, sorry, Jeremy not Wilson, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is Cumin one of a number of people do you think that we're talking to at the moment or want to talk to, or is this like the sort of end game, as it were? I think Everton have been, let's be charitable, um, because in the spirit of what I was saying about what I understand about the way Machiri operates, they've been quite canny so far. They've not sort of bolted themselves onto any one candidate at the exclusion of all others, which makes sense because things change so quickly in football that you might be left looking a bit stupid if you put all your eggs in one basket. So I'd be surprised if, until Koeman's the ink's dried on a contract, if they've kind of said to anyone else, you're definitely out there running, forget Mm -hmm. about it. Which makes me get again think that they're speaking to Monchi, pushing hard for Monchi. They might well be trying to keep abreast of the situation with Emery. Uh, De Boer, we we suspect is still kind of hanging on. Mm. He's still, you know, he's not been taken anywhere, and I think he'd still take the job. Um, I think they're really the only names in in the pitch. I think Pellegrini's name has kind of drifted out of it a little bit over the last few last few days. Certainly this start this week, but. Uh, who knows? You just don't the way this this managerial hunt's been. There's only twists and turns. I wouldn't say beyond doubt it's going to be Cumin, but all the signs are leading that way. Well, well that Brooks of they've stopped the betting on um, Ronald Cumin straight away. It's surprising because the bookmakers over the last fortnight they've been totally unaware. The balls being favoured, Pellegrini's being favoured, David Moyes being favoured, and Ronald Cumin over the last forty eight hours. Last night is one to nine, and as you say, Labrooks have stopped the betting on him completely. So I think there's been a huge number of bets being put on him. But going back to him, for me, can you see why Greg Evertonians? I don't want to say this, but they're a bit not in a negative, but they don't want to jump the gun with Ronald Koeman. Obviously, you're looking at the polls online and whatnot. 
they are really excited by this, but they don't want to jump the gun. Can you see where they're coming from? Yeah, I can completely see where they're coming from because they probably a sense that, you know, it's all well and good saying you know, he's, he's the candidate that you want and he's one that's led the field. But you can look at him and say, well, he hasn't achieved anything in the Premier League tangible yet. He's not someone who is going to be like, how can I put this, a world-class name that's going to grab your headlines around the world. But I think that's where a degree of realism has to come into these things. Yeah. I think he's the best man out there at the moment. And time's ticking. I wrote a piece uh, earlier in the week. It's not desperation stakes mm. or panic button stage, whatever, whatsoever. But the Euros do start soon. Now, I don't think that would necessarily mean a huge factor in it because anyone who you think has got a chance to become an event manager would be watching the Euros anyway. Mm. But ideally, you'd have him in with his scouting team before the start of that competition so he can be thinking about people, making yeah. calls, putting in different uh, measures to see that they can get the right people. So it, sooner rather than later, I think is probably best, isn't it? Yeah. How do you think Farhad Mashiri will have sold Everton to Ronald Koeman? Money talks. I think he'll have spoken to him about, you, we've got, I don't like this, this phrase, but it's unavoidable in some ways. There's a project that he's building here and I think money wouldn't be an object. So you can take this project forward and here's my, my vision for it. It's going to be seriously backed financially. You identify the players, we'll do everything we can to bring them in. You've got to sell the club, but we'll do it as well. And ultimately, money talks. I think that's why, maybe that's illustrative of why Koeman's gone from kind of having really good talks with Southampton, being a little bit dismissive initially, to all of a sudden being someone who's in the frame as a... The because bookie, it, looks to me, it looks to me as if the, to- the deal was totally off two weeks ago. It looks to me as if talks were going well with Southampton, and obviously over the last 48 hours, Everton have basically tried to grab a word with Ronald Koeman, and they've offered him basically the world. You've got, looks as though to me, it's seven million a year, a budget in the summer, new grounds, and as you said, Greg, new project. Why would, why would, he, why would he turn that or, down? Or as his agent, Rob Janssen, played a clever game. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's been away Koeman as well, I think, on all yeah. that's maybe slowed things up. So what you're saying here then is that and this is the question we raised a couple of weeks ago when, when Coombe's name was first raised. Moving from Southampton to Everton isn't necessarily a sideways move, is it? Because Everton can offer something perhaps that Southampton are unable to I do don't at think the moment it, in per, terms of that infrastructure and, and money and stuff. I think we'd all agree it's never really a sideways move. We've got very heavily royal blue-tinted spectacles, us three, obviously. <laughs> um, and in many ways, they've got that infrastructure set in place, which has been really impressive, albeit with a different budget than what we might have. But I think it's the start of something new that would attract but to the a top new, yeah. but To a neutral fan in the Premier League, or up and down the country even, would they see Southampton and Everton as a sideways step? Maybe they would, because... At the moment, they don't really... They're probably thinking externally outside looking in, oh, Everton have got this new owner who's meant to have a few quid. But they haven't seen any evidence of it yet. Yeah. You know, fans are so led by signings and showing of this ambition. And so far, they might, they're might they not as plugged into it as we are. So they might think, well, what's to say Everton are going to start yeah. competing yeah. like that? Or they've heard of the rumours, which I was going to mention, mm-hmm. that they're going to lose the best players this summer. Yeah. And that's interests me, is that Koeman's swapping... And, and again, in that Jeremy Wilson piece, he's spoken about how he's frustrated that they haven't sell their best players. He yeah. might come into Everton and have to do the same thing. Well, he uh, might have put, he's got, then got the money to reinvest. He's had the Southampton, but a lot more money to reinvest than what he's had the Southampton. Because I read something that they've recouped 120 million, but they've spent 90 million with Everton. It could be, you know, selling 120 million. You know, and buying three hundred million, couldn't it, or something? You know, which is rather than ninety. That's a difference. Uh, and I, I think somebody from outside would be okay. You just look at what the, you know, I say like project is probably the, the wrong word, but probably the most appropriate. It'd be like say Emery, say at Seville. If you look on the outside looking in, it'd be like Athletic Bilbao suddenly with like historically yeah, similar yeah. clubs to Everton. All of a sudden, having a big benefactor who wants to invest a whole mm. lot of money in, in the club, and a bit, a bit. If Emily left Bilbao and those here to, to Bilbao, yeah. you know, People in that was, project, yeah. say, well, actually, think, yeah. I, can, I can see why he's gone there, well, actually, I can probably see why from the outside, because they could offer him something to compete with at the Atletico Madrid to this world, say, maybe not the Barcelona's, but, you know, but Seville have done domestically. But, you know what I mean? So, it's, mm, it's like... Definitely. It, on fate, joining Everton last year, 
sideways move joining Everton this year. No, that's what I would say. One thing I want to speak about, Greg, is that we, we spoke about it last week as regards to Ronald Koeman and there's a chance of him becoming the Arsenal manager in the future. What do you think's changed within the week or so since that was spoken about? No, well, nothing in that respect. Mm. I think that he still might have a chance of becoming the next Arsenal manager. But I think what I always felt about that was his safest bet to try and do that was to stay on the South Coast, get Southampton to another top eight finish next season, maybe win it, compete for a trophy, maybe win a trophy, and then his CV's looking nice. The risk was to leave that, come up north with Everton and all the risks of a bigger look, a bigger club and the expectations that go hand in hand and the fact there's no guarantee because Southampton on an upward arc, aren't they? Yeah. Everton really are on a flat line if not a downward one. Yeah. So that's a risk. If he fails to get Everton to the top six or seven next season, it's a qualified failure. What I think's changed his mind is he's looked at the scale of the backing and the ambition for Everton and thought it's less a risk because they're really serious about this and the rewards maybe getting into the top four of the Champions League, winning a cup, maybe pushing even further, might help him in his CV even further. Because, let's be realistic, is he going to come to Everton and want to stay there for life? No. I think for me, for him, to be, to, for him to become the next Arsenal manager, he's got to be successful with Everton. He's got to be. And I think it's more of a risk staying at Southampton, me personally, than it was to come to Everton. He, Southampton finished sixth this season. Now, for him to improve on that next season, Southampton will have to finish in the top five or win a trophy. If he finishes any less or any lower than what he's done last season, he'll have become a failure at Southampton as regards to Arsenal, what they're looking at. He hasn't improved there if they become lower than sixth. So what he's thinking, Everton finished in the bottom half the last two seasons. All I'll need to do is put them into the top eight, say, improve them, couple of cup runs, and then Allen have improved two football clubs in the space of two years. Then Arsenal may see that as progression. Yeah. Whereas in that Southampton, I'd say is a massive risk if he stayed there because how on earth can he improve them even more from last season yeah. by actually winning a trophy? Yeah, and, and the point is there perhaps that supports that is the, the peer group with Southampton, the likes of West Ham going to have more money to spend yeah. next year. Yeah. Um, you know, Tottenham obviously. Um, so that that group, there's going to be clubs who are going to outgrow yeah. Southampton and we're in it. We're in the same position, mm. aren't we? Um, so Southampton may be slightly more limited in terms of how, how they grow compared to those those teams to compete with last year with Everton. We'll be able to definitely compete with those on the financial <laughs> level. So that comes into it. So on face value, it does make sense. Yeah. From what you're saying. Yeah. So um plus you don't know what the financial talks have gone on between between the club and manager as well. So it'd be just an interesting, interesting time, isn't it? Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, Greg, but if Cumin does become the Everton manager, do you think there'd be some deal in agreement with Southampton that he doesn't basically go back and nick any other place? Very interesting. I don't think there'd be any such deal, to be honest. I don't think I've, I think Everton would be <laughs> foolish to agree to that. I know they've deals such as that in the past have been agreed on. And I suppose ultimately if Southampton dug their heels in, you know, maybe you might be forced in a situation whereby you have to. I don't know. I think Southampton, though, would want to get a good compensation package from Everton. So they might have to relent a little bit. It's going to come down to tough negotiation. Um, what names stick out for you at Southampton you'd like to see in an Everton share? Good question. I like I like the, I like Van Dijk. Yeah. I like the look of the centre back. The goalkeeper's decent. Of course, no. Yeah, um, you'd take him over Rob Les, being yeah, honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Graziano Pelli is an interesting player. We're going to lose Lukaku. I don't think he's on the on the level of Lukaku for all Lukaku's faults. So maybe. Again, one I've always liked as a player is Shane Long, but is he going to be good enough for well, whatever? He's been with us before, hasn't he? Yeah, like, is he uh, going to be good yeah. enough for the level we want to be at? Oh, maybe not, but Sadio Mane, Liverpool are meant to have had a look at. It'd be an exciting squad player well, to he, have on board. He's, he's a bit erratic, wasn't he, last year? So let's get into the Southampton manager to Evan and play off the squad as well. But I mean, there's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? Just one question briefly that struck me that the, uh, this morning is you know, the, the Everton team that finished the end of last season, in the context of what we're talking about, say 15, 16 players who were in the, in the squad at the end of last season, how many of them would you expect to be in the starting line of the first game next season? Not many. We, took, we touched on this last week. Yeah, didn't we? You know, it's just, There's not going to be many of them players that finished that game 
against um, Norwich on the last game of the season. Not going to be anything in the first team. We're going to have a new manager. We're going to have basically a new goalkeeper, um, new back four, new midfield, new new strike force. So it's going the total. Yeah. Everton are a different animal now from where they were years ago. They're a total different animal. The ambition is just rocketed through the roof. So you can see why Evertonians are getting excited yeah. by this kind of go. And, and the, 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 sorry, and the, 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 the reason I ask that is that that's surely an attraction to a manager, isn't it? That a lot of the, the a lot of players have naturally run their course at Everton, either the yeah. contracts are finished or they'll, they'll want to move. So actually, in terms of having open conversations with players, he doesn't fancy when he comes in, like as any manager does. A lot of that has been yeah. done for him just through the natural cycle of natural cycle of contracts and stuff. So that's that's an, like an added attraction, isn't he? He's, he's, yeah. he's been given a blank sheet of paper effectively. Yeah. Uh, he's got six or seven good players, but actually most of the others probably are going to go or want to go. Yeah. So that's what I mean when I said it's the start of something, something new. new. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, and that's he can good. really, you know, stamp his authority on it. He inherited the system and a lot of good players from Pochettino. Yeah. Now they then have to go and sell them, and that comes down to what we were saying again mm-hmm. about prospect Lukaku and Stones leaving. Lukaku's gone, in in my eyes certainly. Who knows whether Stones can be convinced to stay, but. Just touch on what you said then, so I found interesting when you said the new back four. That could well be the case, I suppose, but you know, are we, are we talking about maybe replacing Baines and Coleman? For me, I'll say my piece before we put it out to you is, I think there's an argument that you can replace Coleman after the season he had. I don't for a second think he's, he's not a really solid, well, better than solid, a, you know, a really kind of credible Premier League performer. But he had a poor campaign. I think it's probably better out there if you've got a budget like, like ours. Baines is one I'd never like to see moved on, but he maybe is getting to that point where age is taking its toll on that engine that we've seen mm-hmm. so brilliantly in the past. And then obviously the heart of the, of the central defence is, is kind of there to be rebuilt, I think, really, with Jags. Still someone you'd want to keep on board as a very, very dependable, impressive mm-hmm. squad performer, but shouldn't be guaranteed his place, really. Um is that what you meant? I, yeah, yeah, it's totally good. I think if Ronald Koeman, obviously, if they get here before anything happens, I think if he does get the Everton job, he's going to look at his, first and foremost, goalkeeper back four. That's the first thing he's going to look at, because for me, that's, that's what he's about so damn good. And he got, obviously, your Van Dyke, Forster, etc. So I think that's what he's going to look at. He needs a goalkeeper. For me, if St- I'd, love him, I'd love to see John Stones coached properly by a proper... At Everton, yeah, no, well, oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, totally yeah. at Everton. I'd love to see him because, and to be fair, you were speaking about Coleman and Baines there briefly. There was well a number of players, sixteen and seventeen players that underachieved last season at Everton. So it wasn't just these these we're not singling out players here. There was quite a lot of them. I think Baines is peaks gone at Everton. I think it's and he's. I think Everton. I know it's down in hindsight. It's a great thing. The pop, possibly the best thing was to do is when David Moyes come in for Leighton Baines two years ago and we were offered 20 million for him. I know hindsight's a great thing, but since then, nothing's really happened for Leighton as it on the pitch. Yeah, I know I what you mean. I think <laughs> had you said that at the time, you'd have been shouted down Obviously. as a heretic. But yeah. like you say, hindsight being such a perfect way of viewing things, possibly that was the time to sell. But I still think, you know, looking back on what Moyes was offering back then and Edward was trying to suggest. Twenty-eight million for the pair of them was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. in the context of selling for Laney, wasn't it? And and I think Leighton's saying he got something to offer. I, I would still like to see him in that Philip La role, front of the back four at, at some point. Seeing him more chance you know, to, to show what he's got know, to offer there. So you've got Gary Gareth Barry still still around, isn't he? You know, and James McCarthy. So there's a lot. There's a lot of um, a lot of changes needed, but there's still like a few players. He's still like in and around the club. You don't want to yeah. say like we want to get us of all. 16, 17 players. You know, there's still, still a lot. You know, there's still a group there that he's want to keep. I'm just wondering how, uh, you know, how the Euros as well will, will affect, what you know, players come into fashion, don't they? You know, is Ron guaranteed to move to the top top club? Caves, perhaps. You know, well, you know, and there's there's a whole host of things that can happen during the Euro- European Championships that may change the the dynamic of the transfer market. That's something yeah. you want to buy and you'd want to get rid of, and where where players can go. So I think that that. That supports the thing has to be done before the Euro start. Just, just two um, things that I'd like to speak upon is that first of all, Cumans coaching staff. Now we know one of them at Southampton was Sammy Lee, 
Would you have any regards to that one, Gav? Interesting one. Sammy Lee. Yeah. Top man, Sammy Lee. Would you? No qualms with them being in no, the Evans no, or No, no, no. Former Liverpool legend? Well, legend maybe not, but... Uh, <laughs> um, no, he's, uh, he's, he's... It's the person that's good enough for the job. And I know what you're saying. My mate said the same thing a few weeks ago. And uh, Sam, Sammy's been a, you know, a really good coach, hasn't he? Both with England and, uh, and at Southampton. Absolutely no... No, okay. uh, it's interesting. I've seen Sammy Lee milling around the director's box of Goodison uh, since he, Liverpool got rid of him. He's yeah. been he's good friends yeah. with uh, someone who works at Everton in a senior capacity. Actually, yeah. seen him milling around there. Always seems a really amiable, you know, oh, yeah, good natured, top man. And someone who I think Blues wouldn't necessarily have a bad word to say. He's not one who's ever rubbed us up the wrong way. It's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Given his Liverpool yeah. pedigree, but. I don't think there'd be an issue with it. I think there, he was under he was there under Hodgson, wasn't he? Which it probably does his CV. Lost his copy book a little bit, but, but I think he's rebuilt that, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was he was, he was there in in the in the nineties as well. In in the mid eighties, of the, the group of Everton Liverpool players, Sammy Lee was probably the one player or one of the main players who was actually really well liked amongst both groups. Yeah, of players. Yeah, yeah. Proper scouts as well. Hell was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I would absolutely have no, you know. No qualms about you, uh, No, obviously, with the, with the Cumin possibility of getting appointed as Everton manager, Greg, do you think, what do you think the time scale for Had Moshiri has put on this to be done by? Do you think he said Monday, or he's given Ronald Cumin, he's given the questions, he's given the answers, and he wants some kind of time scale on? Do you think he'd have done that? Well, like I said earlier, mate, I wrote a piece last, uh, sorry, this week, saying that Everton, in my opinion, should be saying to him more or less giving him an ultimatum. I think you you tweeted it, didn't you, mm. as well, that it's time to say to him, you know, make your mind up, basically. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an offer that, you know, money that you can't refuse. Then if he did refuse it, move on quickly. Yeah. Um, so I don't think Mishiri will be willing to just wait and wait endlessly. But I think he'd be daft to start lashing in arbitrary timescales. I would imagine they'll want to get it done by, at the very latest, the end of next week. Yeah. But if he felt that he was going to get the right man and the right team in place, would he wait beyond next week? Yeah, he probably would. Yeah, but the other, the other aspect is Southampton might want want a test line, might me. Yeah. They might want to say, it's, it's listen, you know, good. It's it's good good but they actually want to say, listen, Ronald, we want to know by before the Euros ourselves whether you want to stay here or go to another club. Um, so it's not just us who, who would be applying applying the pressure. Um, but I think I think we have played it quite well so far. We kept all our options open all of the time in the, in the last two, two and a half weeks. But as you say, I think the time's right really. His agent's going to be busy, Greg, isn't he, involved because he's uh, the I'll same say, agent as Frank Devo? I'll say. Uh, no, he's not. Oh, isn't he not? No, not That's anymore. Not. No, Kerman uh, swapped his agent, interestingly, to this Rob Janssen guy oh. who's... Uh, Certainly, I can testify to his phone be ringing off the hook. Most <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> God loves us, right? Oh, yeah. God does love us, right? Me and uh, me and Rob are currently in the uh, t- two a.m. <laughs> in flares category. I'm, I'm having a good go, but we'll see. But no, the thing is, with, with one person we didn't mention who comes across as well, with seems to be as a guaranteed part of Cumin's backroom staff, is his brother Erwin Cumin. Yeah who goes everywhere with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just hope that, again, like I hinted earlier, that Koeman isn't allowed to come in because he's been someone who's been highly sought after and dictate every spit and cough of his backroom staff. Yeah. I want him to be saying to the head coach, the manager when they hire him, yeah, you can bring one or two, but actually we're getting the best in terms of chief scout. Now, actually, if he was able to bring Southampton's scouting system with him, he wouldn't complain. Yeah. But uh, I doubt Southampton won't let them go. Yeah. I think the days of managers calling the shots, you had Moyes and then less understandably Martinez there. Alex Ferguson used to have it for years, didn't he? Ferguson used to have it for years. Yeah, and Evan Ken Wright understandably said, well, it worked under Moyes, so Martinez doesn't want to direct the football. Maybe that's part of the reason why Evan were able to attract him so quickly at the time, because uh, there was that suggestion that he rejected it at Liverpool. So uh, that's, that's a part of the past, and I can understand to a degree why that was attractive thing but from now on it should be the club that pulls the shots for me not the manager yeah Greg obviously we've heard all all sources of media all media outlets are saying they keep quoting Farhad Mashiri Farhad Mashiri it's no longer Bill Kenwright 
Now, how inf- how influential do you think Farhad Moshiri is with these talks on what's going on compared to what Bill Kenwright used to be? Good shout. I think people are right to, to be under the impression that Farhad Moshiri is, is leading the talks. From what, from what I understand, he's leading the interviews as well. But I think where people are getting the wrong end of the stick is you can no way discount uh, Bill Kenwright's involvement in this. Mm. He's not just a nominative chairman. He's very much still the club chairman and he's involved as much as Mashiri. He's not taking the lead, but he's still got a key say in decisions getting made, whether you like it or not. Certain supporters will, certain supporters won't. He's very much still a key part of the decision-making. And I think you can more or less discount John Woods, even though he's one of the few main members of the board, Mm -hmm. uh, from any key decisions like this. The two men making it all happen at the moment are Mashiri and Kenwright. Yeah, I mean, in Mashiri's boots... Anybody going into a new company, you're always going to sound out a senior member of the team that's been there a while. He's got the sort of, you know, he knows the company, knows the, the, the you know, the well in football, the supporters and how they would react to things. You'd have to sound them out anyway. You can't, you know, mm. you'd be very unwise to come in and dictate everything on your own terms. So I think Greg's right, um, but there has to be a decision maker, doesn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, that looks to me as if it's Moshiri. Yeah, you can speculate, but that would it's, seem to be the It's case. got to be because yeah. you look at the managers, the the way Martinez was dispensed of, whether or not you think it, it was something that happened too late yeah. or it happened just when it naturally should have happened. I get the feeling that the decision to, to well, pull the trigger is unsavoury, but make mm. the decision as definitively as it did and to get rid of uh, Kevin Reeves, to get rid of his, uh, you know, Graham Jones when Dennis Lawrence... That for me had the hallmarks machinery all over it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, to me, I can see why Evertonians are getting really excited about the involvement of Farhad Machina because to me, when he's when he's obviously offering the cumin the deals, etc., he's offering big massive salary. Obviously, it goes without saying, big massive salary, huge summer transfer kitty, and he's ov- obviously offering the new ground. Do you think Ronald Cumin, when he goes into these talks with Machina, do you think, oh, the possibility of a new ground? or the possibility of a kitty, or the possibility of me huge salary. What do you think strikes out for Ronald Koeman as, I'll have some of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the new ground is, like, sort of, you know, speculative at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of, there's a possibility of it. But, well, uh, it goes back to what Greg was saying before, it's that project, isn't it? That, 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 Having a bigger infrastructure than the current club, that has to be the, the attraction, doesn't it? Mm. I think there's, I think there will be a degree of, you know, the new ground will be part of the package because, realistically, you don't know what Cumin's lifespan should he be a point seven manager would be, um, would he be still around when I move into the new stadium, either at the, the North Docks, fingers crossed, yeah. or Stonebridge Cross, perhaps he wouldn't be. But it all factors into an ambition and a scale and, you know, an attraction that has got to be there for any manager. Any manager would be excited by what's going on. And uh, you just got to get into that. So you, you, you're looking at this summer, Greg, and would you say this is the biggest summer in Everton's history? In the Premier League history, I'd yeah. say, almost certainly, mate, yeah. Would you say, Gav? It's certainly... Historically, probably goes back to the early 60s when Catherine took over from John Moores in, yeah. si- in similar circumstances, I think, where um, they were the richest club in the country in terms of the players that they can buy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were no longer the richest club in the top flight. We've got, we will have, hopefully, enough money to, to remain super competitive, far more than we have done over the last you know, 25, 30 years. See, we've seen, obviously, Greg, this week alone, we've seen, obviously, the documents that we've seen for Hamas Mashiri. There's an option to buy the more shares. We've seen eight in every ten um, seats boot out for next season, season tickets. Possibility of, in my opinion, a world-class manager coming, transfer kitty in the summer, new grounds on the horizon. Evertonians are waiting for, to wake up, really, aren't they? They're, they're dreaming. For me, you know, that really indicates, again, you can relate it back to Koeman. Uh People have been saying, why would he swap, again, Southampton for Everton? You've got to look at that. This is a club that's finished 11th in, in consecutive seasons and they've sold eight in every 10 seats. The fan base is incredible. Now, it might not be a global reach yet, yeah. 
we, we certainly haven't got the profile yeah. of it pains me to say Liverpool Football Club mm. or certainly the two Manchester clubs with City has been kind of theirs has been bought exponentially over a space of five years mm. with frightening amounts of money but we might not have that but we've got such a loyal fan base in the city that will fill Goodison they will fill the North Docks mm. you know whatever it's going to be the Chang Stadium whatever it's going to be and that's got to be enticing a manager I mean the fact that they've, they've sold a record number of season tickets... It begs belief, doesn't it? It does beg a belief. Yeah. Imagine if they'd have won the FA Cup. Yeah. Imagine yeah. then. If Martin still would have been here. Yeah. Well, maybe the fact that they made the decision to... to sorry, to cut sorry, cash no, up, sorry Mike. They made the decision to dispense with Martinez. Maybe that's been a boost in the season tickets. Yeah, well. I think, well, I think also as well, we tend to place our season tickets and then sort of scale yeah. them that's over a very, like a very, yeah. a very sensible manner, don't we? Especially with increased TV money next year. It's, it's also... A tribute to the way the club values supporters yeah. and like make sure that they've got an opportunity to go with the game. So I think that there's two things going on there: the desire of fans to go with the game, but also the club understanding actually fans can only afford up to a certain amount before they can say, "Sorry, we can't go." So I think there's yeah. there's two things Definitely. going on there, and and you know, and that's what I've always said about that. That should be there when we you know when we have a new stadium. Uh, that's the balance that still needs to be there, um, but. It's it's looking good. I mean, as you say, the early sixties. You know, we then had a tremendous decade in the in the ten years after the Moors and Catholic started. So it, you know, it might be the same in so, a short space of time. Greg Moshiri, since he came in, was it February? Yeah. A lot has happened at Everton Football Club. A lot's happened, and I think even more is yet to happen. And I think it'll shock outsiders. Yeah. It's going to really shock outsiders. And I think a lot of it, I compare it to. How I think it will pan out will be like Man City when they've first taken over. I'm not comparing Mishri as well in yeah. any sense to uh, to the, the Abu Dhabi group and to Sheikh Mansour. Um, he's a relative pauper by comparison. Mm. And wouldn't we all love to be a relative yeah. pauper yeah. by comparison? But I think Everton are going to be looking around to make statements of intent in every way possible within, like I say, within the realms of, of what's realistic. But what's realistic just got far, far, far different from what it's been. I'm interested to hear your thoughts quickly on, on the story that Bill Gleeson, our business, our former business editor uh, and, and still valued member of our team, writer, broke this week about the fact that Farhad's got this deal in place already enshrined to buy basically unequivocal control of the club, 75% of the shares, why do you think he's got that? So what I do you think? think? I think it's just been a matter of time from when he bought the forty nine point nine percent shares to become the major shareholder of the football club. He hasn't just come in and put two hundred million into Everton to have no say. I think it was only a matter of time before he has the lion's share of the say. And from what we're hearing straight away, he's making all these decisions. He's firing the bullets as in regards to the previous manager. He's making the new manager. He's he's, he's making these decisions. But what he wants is he'll, he'll end up getting a sole control of the football club. And Evertonians that I speak to outside and inside the grounds, they can't smile hard enough for what this fella is already doing in a short space of time that he's been at the football club. Gav, when do you reckon it might happen, speculatively? You know, when, when might he want to start increasing that shareholding? Um, what now? <laughs> I, well, mean, well, I mean, why wait? I think I mean, I'm not sure whether there's some legal, legal stuff going on there. Points. But if it's, if it's inevitable, why? I mean... I, I'm not sure how I'd say the you know the, the legal side, but why wouldn't he do it now? When does that really make much difference to the way the club's heading? I don't think so. I think the the interesting thing about it is you know it was that something that Bill Kenwright insisted upon. Was, yeah. Suggestion being that he wanted to see the colour of Mashiri's money first. He wanted to see the scale of his commitments and see evidence of it before he was prepared to hand over the reins to that extent. Which for me is a very shrewd, uh, it's very clever, loyal yeah. move to to a club that obviously, regardless of what you think about Bill Kenwright, he adores and, and has always kind of um, has always loved. So, is that going to be a case of you need to see this summer what he does, and then maybe at some Release point next season he releases more of his shares, or is it more long term? I don't know. It'd be very interesting. To I see. think I think you're right in what you said there. Is that he wants to see what his plans are. He wants to see the manager, the colour of his money, the, the infrastructure in place for what he's got set for Everton, the new grounds, and then he's going to release his shares. It's a wise move. Everton could have sold 
Bill came out because I sold the shares to Fab Mashiri and Mashiri just could have sat there, bolted Roberto Martinez, not pumped any money into it, got Eddie Arbor, Sean's ice in charge, and Everton sliding down the league again. But like he didn't. Exactly. But they haven't, you see. And this is where Bill Kenwright was right in what he's done with these shares, the way he's done it. And let's see if I had Mashiri's plans. And then moving forward, the now inter- you can buy the shares. Yeah, the interesting thing, though, which strikes me is that if Mashiri's got this level of control that we've kind of, we believe he has, with 49.9% of the shareholding, and from again, Bill, Bill points out one of his pieces, Bill Gleeson, not mm. Bill Kenwright, that that effectively means he's got he's got the majority yeah. shelled and now there's 10% of Everton shareholders that were lost I think some were lost during the blitz people died and yeah. um, couldn't be found others died and didn't pass on the shares so you'll never find that 10% so effectively he's the man in charge so why would he bother wanting to increase it then you more want more profit more profit yeah you never know mm. in terms of like an end point when he may wish to sell the club on himself I don't know or more profit to sell them shares on to another major shareholder? Well, you'd only look at the fact that even Man City are still doing deals. They're selling a 15% of their shareholder yeah. to huge Chinese media conglomerates for eye-watering amounts of money as much as they initially bought the whole club for. And there's obviously been... There are only whispers and rumours of Yusmanov leaving Arsenal to, to everything. So that, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, we'd love that, but... Was it put a past things were happening some of the Yeah, uh, I was waiting for his name to be mentioned. It's obviously it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a guy there, a manager, possible manager of Arsenal, and now he's got there's a good chance of him becoming a manager of Everton. You've got Yushmanov's mate is in charge of Everton. So And don't for, don't forget Far Machine still has five percent of one of Usmanov's main companies. Yeah. They're not just like part time pals, they're still colleagues yeah. in a business sense. Yeah. Exciting times ahead, Greg. Very exciting times ahead. Um, obviously, a couple of brief touching points towards the end. The England squad, uh, Ross Barkley's made it. John Stones obviously was always going to make it, but Barkley, please for him, lad, Scav. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's been some critical comments on his uh, burdening or some would say waistline and stuff uh, the last last week or so, obviously. Not sure whether they were fair, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Stones get in the team do well certainly um, Ross I'm not sure how, how close he is to the team but I think uh, outside the two of them I think I'd rather see Stones on, on the pitch playing for England and, and doing well I think I think Barkley and Stones um, places in the squad are justified things. John Stones should be starting he's English, England's one of England's best players yet alone I think Michael Owen's comments this, this week were, were justified as well by saying John Stones is the only player of the England squad will get in the Barcelona team when well, Michael Michael always starts talking such unadulterated. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He, he spoke. He spoke um, very intelligent for me. And Ross Barkley, his place is justified in England squad as well. Twelve assists, eleven goals. Now does James Milner get that? Yeah. Does Jelly Alley get that last season? Do all that? Jordan Henderson get that? Does Wilshire get that? Go through England's midfield. Do they get that last season? No, no. I'm surprised. I've seen quite a few. Th- People saying Ross had the poor season at Everton. Yeah. Well, he might have finished the season. More assists and more goals than any of them midfielders on the pitch there. Yeah. But he had, Ross, had, Ross had a good, say, first two thirds of the season, didn't yeah. he? You know, both for club and, and country. So, I could, the reason why I say Stones on the pitch, I think Ross played every Premier League game last season, didn't he? I think he played, he played the part most of the cup games. He tailed, he tailed yeah. off towards the end, like every other Everton player did. Yeah. yeah, just him. And I'm just wondering whether actually... A bit of inactivity might might do good in, in the long term. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, Gav. I, I wouldn't have been devastated if he hadn't made it. I'd have been disappointed for him. But in terms of him getting a rest, I would have thought, you know, feet up, that would have been the best thing in many ways for Everton. But then, could you say the best thing for Everton is that he goes as a brilliant tournament, shows his potential, what we, we know he's capable of on a world stage. <sighs> on the flip side, that's going to attract yeah. bids for him. I think the, the club's going to be, you know, he's going to be, if he shines... Make no mistake about it, someone will come in with a big, massive bid for him. And I think out of the two Everton players that have made it, I'm happy for them because the young lads, the, the training, are getting coached by world-class coaches, world-class players they're playing with. Whereas in the two players that I've missed out in Jack Elkin and Baines, they need the blowout in the summer for me. They need to get back to basics, get fitness under the belts because they've got a huge season ahead of them next season with regards to the possibility of Ronald Koeman fancy in the morning. Got no predictions this week, so I'm going to throw one on you. It's a bit unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> who do we fancy for the Euros, Gav? Who do you fancy? 
That's a, that's a good question, isn't it? My, no, my normal default uh, answer, is there any questions that are related to Germany? And I'm not going to move away from that. But they have been poor, haven't they? Um, they, they, they qualified sort of, uh, um, not not in the best way. And I know they got about a couple of 50 results. So Germany, but I think France on, on home territory, they've got a strong squad. So I'd say, between that two, I'd go with the default option of Germany. They always produce. I, I've got a feeling France will do it. Um, I can immediately shoot my argument full of holes with past presidents, but I just look at that squad and I think they've got a nice mix of experienced players and really exciting young players on home soil. It's an interesting time for France as a country. They're going through a weird period, aren't mm-hmm. they? With um, lots going on. I've just got a feeling France will do it. Quite excited to the impact Martial makes on us. Martial, Payet, Pogba, yeah, Griezmann. Griezmann. Uh, some, some They've got great talents, but this is. I I fancy France to do well, but I really fancy England to do well. I'm not just saying it. Yeah, I really do. Stop <laughs> press. I really do. You haven't yeah. dozed off listening to us yeah. prattle on and having a daisy. Really Tony Scott yeah. tips England. I tip England to do really well to get at least the semi final. Nick, come on, name me teams with a better attacking threat than England. Spain. Go on, France. name them. Name them. You know what? Funny enough, I say being glib. Their striking options, you look at it, you go, what? You, you, yeah. You're looking at England, right? They've got Vardy and Kane up front. These European countries won't have a clue how to play against these lads. Oh. Won't have a clue because they haven't played no Champions League football before. Yeah. So these players, one's bang 25 and one's bang 30. You've got a 70, 18-year-old lad there who hardly the Premier League hasn't seen. So God knows how other European cup um, in Rashford. So they, I think England's got an excellent chance. What, what we'll let them down, obviously, is the defensive duties, the same as France, because France's defence isn't the greatest. Yeah. You just had to knock Schneisel in there because someone else was injured, really. So, yeah. France's defensive duties are likewise with England. I'm t- tipping England to have a good tournament. And, and France to win France, France may be just a shade. They, they are favourites with the bookies, the 3-1. to one. Germany, obviously, will be in the mix, but they don't have to strike it once they want sides in closer no more. They've had to draft Gomez in, haven't they? From 30 odd, you know what yeah, I mean? It's a chance. I've watched Germany in, in tournaments for like more than 40 odd years. Oh, they'll grind it out. Yeah, they'll grind it out. Even when you've had poor teams, they tend to produce, so they'll certainly be there or thereabouts. We'll see well, why England goes in. There you go. I, uh, I hope you're right, so it'll be exciting to watch England with John Stones barking the team do well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We're not sure what day yet. Hopefully, it'll coincide with the announcement of a new Everton manager in the form of a fair haired Dutchman. And we can all get excited about the future. Cheers for listening. Ta-ra.